0: Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit, and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message.
1: Something I'm trying to do as I teach this series on the kingdom of God is help you find your place in the kingdom The kingdom of God isn't the church, but the church is part of the kingdom. Church is where kingdom is realized for most people because it's where we hear God's word and we imagine ourselves being a part of that. Many times we think of God's word as the the lifestyle that he asks us to live and the choices that he asks us to make, and that's part of it. But really, it's the plan of God for every generation to listen to what the scriptures say and decide how we can see ourselves doing that in this time. I'm not out to change your career path or radically upset your life, but I am out to help you make Jesus giving him first place. Finding out how to do that for you. I wouldn't want to be your counselor to do that because you already have one. He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can show you adjustments and changes to make, but unless we hear what it is God's after, we really have no clue that he even wants to use our life. But you are here for his purpose more than you know right now. And the more we hear God's word and we ask him, the more we're going to find out how we fit into that. What I know about the promises of God is is simply this, the more we are a part of his kingdom, the more the benefits of the kingdom come into our life. One of the things Jesus taught greatly was stewardship because his his father is standing guard over the family, the family being uh, the entity of the kingdom, the, the, the body of Christ, the people of the kingdom. And the heavenly father wants to see Everything come together for his children in the end times. We're going to see that in the word today. God has a special anointing for us to live right now. To be more an exception to what's going on in the world than we have ever thought possible. If the world continues to spiral down in discord and disunity, the body of Christ will come together more. And when we come together more, we know the power of unity is a vehicle for God's promise to come to pass. So the more we individually give up our personal self for the person of Christ Jesus, the more we come together with him, the more we're going to see that come to pass. Well, I want to point out some things in in Scripture. Jesus, in Matthew 13, is teaching a series of parables, seven parables, called the Parables of the Kingdom. I believe it's incredibly important for us to understand how they apply to our time. Every generation can look at these parables and find ways to live for Jesus in their generation. But we may be among the last to see earth as it is. Scripture teaches that many churches today are not teaching anything about that. But the scripture tells us the world will go out of control and God's people eventually will go up and be jettisoned out of here in something called the rapture. Many today say that's too hard to believe. For me, it's easier to believe all the time. Because things just seem to be radically a mess and the world needs saving more than it's ever needed saving. When we look at what's going on, the world is divided, not just a nation, not just churches and people and families. Everything has divided every kind of way. When COVID started, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that the devil was out to divide every righteous relationship. And I have seen him run roughshod over, over people trying to just create separation and rift and anxiety and stress and uh, everything that causes people to want to not be together. But we're pushing back because the kingdom of God is not about individuality and being apart. It's about being called together into one body who is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means a body that when we are apart gives us a benefit of anointing. Anointing is God rubbing off his favor on you because you choose to be near him and close to him. So the more we hear his word, the more we should expect his anointing, his power, his authority, his blessing to be in our life. But when we don't want to be a part of him, we should not look for too much of that to happen. Why? It comes on us because it rubs off on us from him from wanting to be close to him. See, we're children of faith of a God who requires faith. So to be close to the master, we we choose that by faith and say, I want to live my life in closeness with the word of God, the word of truth, what God's saying, and see where I fit in. Because somehow we fit. I'm out for this year to to become a church that has 100% fit. That means everybody finds a place. I'll tell you something about a place. When when I first went to work for a company years ago, I jumped in with the position they had open for me. Over time, I worked myself into my place. And I found what it was, and I, I liked the place I was meant to fit best of all. And I kept finding, well, this is okay, this is a little better, this is a little better still, but when you get in your fit, <laughs> There are a lot of phrases for this. You get your groove on. (laughs) That would be one. That's kind of old-timey. But uh, you find your place, and there's nothing like it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's happening to believers today. If they've not found their place, they're going to feel more restless all the time. There's going to be an increase of anxiety There's going to be a sense of fear of what's coming on the world will come on the believer. There's going to be this soul searching that happens that I call the dealings of God because he's trying to show us to make adjustments to be a part of what he's doing so we have our sense of security. It's very hard to call ourselves people of faith if we're not secure in our relationship with the master. So what a church should be doing, in my opinion, what we are doing is making adjustments, the adjustments necessary for anybody and everybody to find a place. Church is not only about spiritual things. It's also about having the mind of the Lord and an intellect, a mind that works well, the mind of Christ, he calls it. In other words, having our thinking renewed by the word of God. So we make decisions that defy logic sometimes, but so do the results. The results have what God calls fruit or proof that God was in it. Then there is also all the physical needs that happen in the body of Christ. Most people don't come to the Lord Jesus because they first are seeking spiritual truth. A few do. Some come because they're in emotional or mental torment and life's not working the way they want it to or the way that it should and they're looking for hope. That describes a lot of the world today. Yet still many others have physical needs and and problems in their life that they don't know how to overcome and they're so discouraged they don't know where to turn and they just need a hand up in the world. The body of Christ must do all these things i find with most people who don't know the lord a hand up brings them to ask questions when you pray for someone in confusion that they have peace and the peace of god begins to settle on them they want more like that whenever we taste we get to see that god is good So the minimum place we belong, and for some people it's a life calling, is to look for people who are hurting and bring a practical Jesus to them. For others, it will be recognizing when someone is in emotional duress or pain or torment, and you're able to pray for them and break the power of the devil over them. The Bible calls that a kind of deliverance. And I've seen deliverance come many ways by praying the blessing of God into someone's life. The devil has to go. And suddenly there's not torment. There's this sense of newness. For some, they've been looking for spiritual truth and they found spiritual deception. And they need the real deal. Serving other gods and it's not working out. So they look for the one that brings new life. Well, that's an idea of where we're going this morning in Isaiah forty six ten. The Old Testament tells us in the prophet Isaiah that God is one that uh, declares the end of something from the beginning. It's a principle I want you to learn to know what's happening in our time, in our generation, as the church age comes to a close, as the the rapture of the church draws near. Ministry will end much as how it began as Jesus was walking the earth. So when we want to know what we should be doing and what the church should be about, we can look to the early church. We can read the the first four books, really read anything in the New Testament. But you can look at the New Testament church and the early church and what was happening and what they were doing and have a good idea of what we should be doing now. He says not only does he declare the end from the beginning, but from ancient times he declares the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my good pleasure. In other words, God's going to do his stuff now. He has something in mind that brings him pleasure Understand you're his child. If it brings him pleasure, it's going to bring you pleasure to be a part of what he's into and what he's doing. You want to have a a successful, joy-filled life when the world is going down. You connect to what the father's doing and he will be doing his good pleasure through you and you're going to like that. Without having a mission or a vision bigger than we are, we will feel diminished by the world just like the, the children of Israel did as they went into the promised land. They said, they're the giants and we're the grasshoppers. I'm here to tell you a role reversal is what God has always had in mind. You are the giants and the world is the grasshopper. Why greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world? And if that be the case, then we have to see things right, not through our own eyes, but look at yourself through the Father's eyes. He's made you more than you can see and know. You're somebody different than you know right now because the greater one in you wants to do more with you. Well, that gives me hope. Instead of settling for a life that's somehow going to be less, when that's being pounded out into the world society, my God says, no, my life is to be more if I am found in him. Now, that makes me happy. Jesus revealed the end. Of the church in the beginning of the church. And I'm going to point out more and more about that as the weeks go on. This is Matthew chapter four. It says, from the beginning of the time that Jesus began to preach, he said, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He started preaching at the beginning of his his message that there was a need for repentance because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He was talking about himself. He was saying, I am here as a representative of heaven, turn from darkness, turn from your wickedness. Something of that must be working in every believer in the house this morning, because for us, we need to recognize there is a turning away from some things that causes us to draw nearer to the Father. And today's not first about that, but I must mention that because for us to enter into kingdom principles, we have to live a life that we are face-to-face looking on to Jesus as the author of our life, the author of our faith, and the finisher of those two things. He wants to carry us to the finish line, to a victory, to win this race he has put us in, and the race is to complete his mission. It isn't to see how healthy we can be at 100. It's how much can we do before we're gone for him now. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is the beginning of his his ministry, really. He's looking for people who would be disciples. And he's looking for fishermen now. He said he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers and he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's recruiting them into a purpose. When we come into the family of God, the way we know we're in the family is we are in the family business. We have a purpose, we have a plan. Today, I believe that the Holy Spirit will loose upon you an anointing to learn more about that for you and your house. The Holy Spirit will be your counselor to know how to more securely ground yourself in what is the Father's will for this time. And when you do that, he will direct your feet on a straight path and straighten out the crooked places. And things will begin to work out better than they've ever been before instead of getting tougher or worse or more challenging. Now, he says, I will make you fishers of men. That's a learned skill. They knew how to fish for fish, but he had to teach them how to fish for men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They responded, today will be up to you, whether it's a straightway response or not. Whether you decide to to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying or decide that's just pastor talking. I can tell you, I know when it's me talking, and I know when it's him talking, and this is about him. Now, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with their father, mending their nets. He found some casting a net and some mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the ship and their father, and they followed him. What's Jesus doing He's gathering together disciples that he is going to train to do something at the beginning of the church age. What is Jesus doing today? The very same thing. Who can he rely on to become fishers of men? Now, I've warned you are teaching a, a series of parables called the parables of the kingdom. This story illustrates one of the parables Jesus taught. When we look at the parables, Jesus, somewhere along the line, taught the disciples. And then he brought it in a parable. And he said, if your eyes are blessed to see and your ears are blessed to hear, you're going to understand this. So I'm going to tell you, when we don't understand it, we need to say, God, open my ears. Open my eyes. Give me an understanding for me. As pastor, I have to have an understanding of what God wants in a broad sense. That's a lot different, a lot bigger responsibility than what you will have to find your peace and to find your place. So I'll say it this way. I can see a lot God wants to do, but it really will be up to people to find their place and know what is the Holy Spirit wanting? Now, here's how people usually find out what it is. Like Jesus was telling these guys, he said, I'm going to make fishers of men out of you. I don't know they would have, that they would have hopped up and followed him without having a plan, without knowing what it was he was going to ask. You see, we never really give Jesus lordship of our life until we accept his agenda. And when we don't know what it is, we're kind of standoffish. So a lot of people, when it comes to really doing ministry, are like, eh, that all sounds really good, but I don't know if that's for me. Well, sometimes you find out by jumping in, but the best way to find out is there should be a stirring of the heart when things are presented to do. Don't wait and think ministry first is spiritual. It is not for most people. If you are called to five-fold ministry, you will have a, 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 an, an expression, a spiritual expression that has to be made that you can't get away from. And when that is the case, you carry such a responsibility, it will frighten you. Most people don't experience that. They experience, what is it I hear going on that I can be a part of that my life will allow me to be a part of? When we use our life and our condition and our situation as an excuse to not be involved, we don't follow Jesus immediately. These men had businesses. These men were active. They were were working their nets and repairing their nets, and they had boats, and they had busy lives of responsibility, and they had a choice to make to say, we got enough to do. We'll fit you in Sunday afternoon. Or do what they did. When I look at what they did, I find it quite remarkable. It tells me that there had to be a working of God done in their heart when they heard the master call them to shake them out of their their responsible life to follow him almost blindly. You see, so many times we expect ministry to be a peripheral thing that we do, and we totally miss God's boat. And we try to do his job on our boat with our net, and we never become what he intended in the first place. We keep fishing for the natural, and he wants us to fish for the eternal. To do it his way, we have to come to a point that we follow him and Jesus would get on boats and Jesus would go across the water and he took the disciples where they had never gone before in a vehicle that looked like their life, but it was his life. Your life has something cloaked in it like that. When we look at the Bible, the Bible is a, a picture within a picture and then we're supposed to see ourselves in that picture. Where do I fit? So today, I would encourage you, your natural life is the boat he's calling to you. He's speaking to you in whatever's going on with you. you have a decision to make? Am I going to give him first place in my response? Am I going to hang back and say, you get what's left of me? Now, I'll tell you the truth about uh, a lot of ministry. A lot of ministry survives on people's Leftovers. I'm going to tell you something about the generation we're in. Leftovers won't cut it. He's looking for first place. Now, what does that mean for you? I don't know. What does that mean for me? I got a good idea. You're going to keep yours just as private as I am. Why? Because somewhere in there, there's uncomfortable stuff that God is going to impress on us. And we can reason it away. Or we can respond to the master. I'm going to tell you something about their immediate response. If they hadn't moved quickly when Jesus spoke, they would have found excuses not to. And the excuses would have come in the form of the enemy trying to stop them. Something would have happened. Somebody might have passed away. And they did in some cases when he was calling disciples. Disciples. The boats might have sunk in the harbor and they'd have to lift them out so they could sell them. We don't know what could have happened. But immediately they turned and they moved. I'm gonna tell you something about our generation. We need to be quick in our response to the master and not be talked out of it by circumstances or our own reasoning. Why, sometimes the more intelligent we are in reasoning, the more prone we are to miss our opportunities with God because we are so engaged with our intelligent mind. Or the more physically strong we are, the more people call on us to help them with everything. And we're busy all the time using our physical frame to make a difference in everybody else's life. And if we're not careful, we'll be so busy when the master calls, there'll be nothing left for him. Well, let me look on my calendar, Jesus. I think I'm scheduling six weeks out about now. See, if we're not careful, we treat the divine as though he's a step-god and not really our God. Now, I can't tell you how that will impact you. I can just tell you it will. Now, at the end of the age, which most spirit-filled preachers and teachers agree, we've got to be there. At the end of the age, Jesus, by the prophet Isaiah, will be doing the same things he was doing in the early church. At the end of the church age, he says in Acts 2 that he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That means even people who aren't Christians yet are going to get a dose of the Holy Spirit, they're going to get a sense of hope in their despair. In all of the despair and all the discouraging things and all the anxiety that's coming into the world right now, the Holy Spirit also is saying, but I'm going to pour out on all flesh. And when you're feeling so low and so terrible, there's nowhere to turn and nowhere to go. And you get a little touch of hope, you will respond to that hope. And that's who the Holy Spirit of God is. And don't think you will ever do the bidding of Jesus without the Holy Spirit going before you and being with you and being in you and being upon you because He will do the touching and you will be the vessel. That's who He is. We're called to be a part of His kingdom. Every believer, now, this is Matthew 13, which is where we're going to center for a while. Because Jesus taught these kingdom parables, and they all mean something to every generation. But I'll tell you what I believe in my heart. They mean more now than ever. Why? Because as we approach the end, we see that God prophesied things. Before ever the New Testament church began, Isaiah was saying, God's going to come in the form of a son and redeem all men unto himself. And all the world in time will be judged by him. Now that judgment's being put off. This is Matthew 13, beginning of verse 47 again, and this is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a net. See, I just illustrated some things about the net and how the net fits. and It's part of the kingdom. It's a principle of the kingdom. So Jesus wasn't just recruiting fishermen because they worked hard. He wasn't just recruiting them because they were kind of everyday guys that everybody could relate to. He was recruiting them because they would understand a concept of what they were about to do. They were going to now catch men. So I don't know if I want to do that. Jesus wants to do that. See, Right now, it's what's most on his heart. So much so, he said, in in our time, in our generation, the Holy Spirit would be poured out in a great way on all people. That means all the fish in the sea are going to have a touch from the Almighty. I believe that. I believe that in all the rebellion and all the aggravation, and I'm not talking about natural fish swimming around. I'm talking about people on the earth. When the Bible talks about the sea, it's generally talking about humanity, people in general. I believe God will do his part when we have aligned ourselves to do our part. If you're praying for people in your family or in your workplace to come to God, tag, you are it. When you become the vessel, he will do the pouring out on all flesh so that their ears are open enough to hear what it is God's saying through you. You become his preacher. And it's easier than you think. It's a lot easier. Sometimes it's just physically doing something for somebody, telling them you feel their pain. You will pray for them. Sometimes they, they want a Bible verse. I, I find it remarkable when I'm talking to people, they'll say, well, preacher, where's that in the Bible? And when I can tell them it's in the Bible, I've got them. Because most people still regard the Bible as holy Bible. It matters. Now, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea. It's not a net hanging on the wall. It's not a net riding on the boat. It's a net cast into the sea. That tells us when we're a part of it. Our life is out among people. Our life is set up for people to swim right into it. Our life is anointed by God to draw people to him by them being drawn to you and drawn to me. Now, the net was cast into the sea, and it gathered of every kind. I want to point something out. Every kind. Get ready for in the body of Christ there to be a draw of every kind of person you can imagine. And when it doesn't happen, it's simply because we haven't found our place yet. When it does begin to happen, we can recognize, aha, I'm in the water. Aha, he's sending the fish. Why? He said the net gathered, but what does it do? It's being pulled along by the boat. Well, we're not the boat. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of that. But what's he do? He's gathering of every kind, which when it was full. Now, there's going to come a moment all this is done. When will Jesus come again? Whenever the heavenly father says the net is full. We have something to do with that. Only the heavenly father knows when that will be. Jesus himself doesn't know is what the scripture says. And when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. What's that talking about? It's not our job to sort people out. It's what will happen in the very end. There will be a sorting and a judgment. What makes the fish good? Jesus is in the person's heart. What makes the fish bad? They rejected Jesus. In the New Testament church, people aren't condemned to hell for sin. They're condemned to hell for not accepting a savior. So in the end, that sorting will be Jesus' business. The heavenly father said he's given all judgment to the son. And the son has said, and we'll put it off as long as we can. Why? He wants the fish in the net. He wants the net to be cast. He wants the net to be repaired. He wants us to be a part of the net. Imagine you're a piece of raw material to make a net and you're, we'll give you a hundred feet. What if your hundred feet is not woven in when the fish come into the net? Who is responsible then for that loss? God? God? us something to think about so what do we do we want to become a part of that gathering net Uh, again it's I'm going to tell you don't seek some spiritual position if you're called to do that it'll, it'll come to pass by God's will seek how to make a difference in bringing that net together now I want to go on a little bit further. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, talking about the time that we're in. God has made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself for the administration of the fullness of time. In other words, he's got a plan for the end of time to head up all things in the Christ. In other words, God's good pleasure is for you to find your fit in the body of Christ. For God's plan to work in the end times, he has a number of people who make the net. What happens when somebody doesn't become a part of the net? He finds somebody else who will. Something that we will be judged for is is hopefully we receive great reward at the reward seat of Christ. But where we don't, we will see what God intended for us to get and what we didn't do to receive it. My honest belief is it mostly has to do with being our part in the net, being our connection to the body of Christ, being together with the body of Christ. Think of the body of Christ this way. The the, the church, the family of God is is a type of net. When we're not connected, what do the fish go right through? When we're not perceptive, the fish go right through. He said, when the net's full, he'll gather it into the boat. I believe we may see that now. For the administration of the fullness of times, he did this to head up all things in the Christ, things in heaven and things in the earth into him. In other words, what's happening is God's plan in heaven and God's plan in earth are coming together. And they're going to come together through people who choose to be a part of it. When we choose to be a part of it, the best way to praise God, I don't know really exactly how you want to use me. But every time I hear pastor talk about this, I feel like I want to be a part of that. And I'm going to tell you, if you suffer by not feeling compelled to be a part of anything after this series, you just let me know and I will make you be compelled. (laughs) I will help you. Why? Because when you get to heaven, your reward will have been told you what it could be. And see, when we get there, sometimes we don't think about what's really happening at church when we hear the word. We're being challenged by God to be a part of his reward plan for all eternity. We get rewarded for doing what he most wants to have done in the earth. It isn't first about how much great spiritual knowledge you have. You can have a whole lot of it and not be a part of the net. You can be an island unto yourself. You can be a starving Christian that way. There will be people that get to heaven that knew a whole lot about God, but they never did anything to be like him. He wants us to be like him. Now, Jesus' return will be like the season of his ascension. As I point out the beginning of Jesus' ministry, I'm going to point out the end of his earthly ministry. The disciples were depressed. The disciples thought he died and he was gone for nothing until he showed himself to them again. I believe that many in the body of Christ are disciples just like that. Where they've lost touch with their master enough, there's no real deal and bond between them because they can't see they have to live by faith. The disciples were not doing very well, living by faith that Jesus had risen from the dead because they hadn't seen him. They were still looking for something they could see with their eyes, and Jesus told us what he thought of that. If you're looking for a sign, I'll give you one. The big fish will swallow you when you're looking for him. But they were moping. They were depressed. Why? They weren't doing what the master said. They needed to wait for another nudge, another invitation, another push from the Lord Jesus. They needed Jesus to prove to them he was ascended or he was risen, to prove to them he was alive, to prove to them he was worth serving and they were looking for a sign. He was more merciful than sending a, fish to swallow him. He was on the shore cooking food. Jesus came to them and, and talked to them when they were fishing and asked him if they caught anything and they threw the net on the other side. You know the story, let's look at it. John 21, three. The disciples were in this fishing depression but when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, boys, do you have any fish? Do you have any meat? Do you have anything to eat? They didn't know it was him. They answered, no. Jesus knew. Jesus knew they didn't have what they were after. Jesus needed them to admit they didn't have what they were after. Jesus expected that before he would reveal to them who he was. Jesus wouldn't reveal to them who he was until they answered honestly, no, they were in defeat. He knew it. What did he need? He needed them to know they were not being successful in their fishing effort. Why? They weren't fishing for men. They were fishing for fish. When they got challenged in winning someone to the Lord and carrying on Jesus' ministry, they went back to what they used to know, to a life that was comfortable, and went after fish. They reverted back to a fleshly state. They reverted back to a more self-centered life. If we are not careful, we do the same thing, knowing God has something more. It's easy denial when we don't know what it is and we don't want to find out. But I'm going to tell you, anxiety grows in the heart of the believer who doesn't want to find out. Because the spirit of this world will begin to take hold of people like that. And they will begin to be miserable so they will cry out in repentance Like when John was preaching, John the Baptist came just before Jesus with a word of repentance, and Jesus started out preaching repentance and recognized that's about to happen again. What will it take for the world to repent is very different than what it should take for church folks to repent. Repentance is a gift for us. It means that we let the Holy Spirit stir our hearts in a moment like this. And we say, God, forgive me for not understanding why I'm here. God, help me get it. And he answers that prayer. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was him. And Jesus said, do you have any meat? They answered, no. Then he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you will find. Boys, you're just, you're, you're throwing it out on the wrong side. What's he do? He's going to help him catch fish to prove he will help him catch men. While he's about to ascend, recognize this is a moment before Jesus' ascension. This is the moment before the church's ascension. There is a parallel. What is it Jesus wants to do? He wants to anoint us to catch men. I didn't come into the body of Christ for this assignment. That's not what Jesus says. (laughs) He tells us what's our assignment. Now, cast the net on the right side. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now their catch was bigger than ever before. They had to be kind of close to the shore because Jesus is talking to them from the shore. They weren't way out. They were on their way in in defeat. They were on their way in thinking it's all over for us. If you're not careful... That feeling will come upon you that is on the world. It's all over. Who cares anyway? What difference can I make? We tried our best. I've tried to win this person. I've prayed for that person. I've tried to be a witness at my job. What good has it done? But then Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, shows up on your boat by your invitation and says, cast it over here. They could have said, who is that dude on the shore anyway? wanting fish. He's probably wanting a handout, and we don't have any. Thoughts were going through their mind. Reasons to not do it were going through their mind. Do you know when they found out who it was? was after they caught the fish. When we want to see Jesus in our life in a greater way, and we can't see him, he's there. When we expect something from him we don't have, he has it for us. When he asks for something from us that we don't have, his instruction will bring it into our hands. I want you to understand something about God's principle of blessing his children. He's looking for our hands to be in his business so that he can fill our hands with what we need. This fishing story is is not how they would live out their lives catching more fish. But it got them through the moment and it gave Jesus uh, what he asked for when they brought fish to shore. He's already cooking and had the fire going. He was there to take care of them even if they didn't catch any fish. But he wanted them to remember who he had asked them to be, fishers of men. What would they do again? They would leave those boats again, I believe in the hands of capable people. To work them, I believe that what happened on their fishing boats after that is they learned how to cast on the right side when they weren't catching any. They probably knelt down and said, God, show us what to do because our bosses, the apostles, are making a living by our catching fish so they can catch men. I want you to understand the anointing in this picture. It's not just the apostles catching men. As much as I want everybody to catch men, not everybody is going to go do that and become a net to catch men one-on-one. Some were casting, some were mending, some were driving the boat. But there was all these activities that came together to accomplish the kingdom business. When they got to shore, suddenly they recognized Jesus. He wasn't hiding himself from them. Suddenly, they're taking part in his fishing activity, opened their eyes to who he was, and they remembered, we've done this before with the master. And he taught us by fishing how to get men. I can guess what the sermon's going to be about when we eat fish with Jesus around that fire when we get there. And they were excited to get there to see what would the master say next. And what he said next was, tag, you're it. Now you understand the anointing of God comes on you when you do what I ask you to do. Not when you run from it, not when you hide from it, not when you stay in depression, but when rather you do something. Understand what they were thinking in their mind when they were casting the net. We got to make a living. They were back looking at how are they going to make a living without working with the master day to day. Somehow Jesus had a way of causing fish to spit up gold coins and anything else they needed. They seemed to receive and all of a sudden they're thinking we can't do that by ourselves. And they were right about that. But what could they do? They could engage in what God wanted and he would bless the work of their hands let well, say something about ministry this year as I, I, I close. And this is the middle of a series. And I don't know today, I, I, as much as I would like to just have an altar call and pray for everybody, I, I'm going to ask you to enter. I'm, I'm going to pray a different prayer. Some of you be uncomfortable with it. That you come into the dealings of God for you. Because all I'm doing right now is planting the seed to make you recognize God's got a way to bless you and get his stuff done at the same time, that's better than splitting the two up. To change what you're doing from the master from what I do with my leftover time, which is admirable. I mean, just to, if you're so busy, all you've got is a, a little bit of time and you're giving it to the Lord, that's admirable. What is it? That's a seed for a life transformed. That's the beginning place. That's how it all starts with all of us. God, I'm going to give you this little bit. I don't see that I have anything else to do. And he takes the bread and the fishes and they're broken and they're multiplied and there's leftovers. That's the kind of time we're in. So this year, I I believe there's a ministry that's teaching. I'm not going to stop teaching. I'm passionate about teaching the people of God. Spiritual truth is, is something I've been trained to live for. I've trained myself to live for that. And I love to bring that to you, and I'll continue to do that, but that's not all of ministry. Ministry is, is finding people by becoming the net and casting the net in the water and expecting God to bring us people. It works. You know, we're doing something, I mentioned this early, and you know, we'll, we're, we're about done, but I mentioned the outreach meal. What I really am looking for as pastors, everybody has somebody to take one to least every family or every couple. So I don't know about that. Cast the net. Tell you what we did in the early days of the church. We used to have little newspapers around here. Melvin, Illinois had a newspaper. Did you know that? It's called Ford County Press. It wasn't very thick. It wasn't too many pages. And it told about who visited who from out of state and everything that was happening in our little towns. It was kind of fun to know about. It was charming little thing, but it also said who was in trouble and who was dying and who was in the hospital. And there wasn't all these privacy things that there is now where, oh, he can't let him know anybody's business. People kind of wanted people around them to know a little bit of their business. So there would be encouragement and help to get through it. There's still a, a code in this area of people watch out for each other. I'm glad of that. There's still a connection. It's just not as big as it used to be. So what do we do? Uh, think about your your town or if you're out on the farm, think about three or four miles around you. Is there anybody in trouble? If there's, is there anybody that's moved in that you don't know? Is there anybody that's come into the area that you just you feel like when you drive by? I wonder who lives there. I wonder what goes. Go find out. Be a part of the net doing our part. And God has a way of pouring his spirit on all flesh. And when God pours his spirit on all flesh, not, not, not everybody's going to swim right into the net, but I'll tell you, some will. And when we become more a part of that, we can expect God to move in our life according to his word supernaturally. You have a choice to make, either to continue along a, 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 a path that I want to please God, but I don't know how, or accept How? today. The how is not requiring you to be greatly spiritual. The how is not even requiring you to be intelligent more than everyone else. The net requires a physical presence in someone's life, an availability, an openness, an honest approach to someone else, And you'll probably see a result. It's amazing to me, we live in a place where simple things work. The universal love language of central Illinois is good food. Everybody likes it. More recipe books have come out of this region probably than anywhere in the world because anybody that cooks good wants everybody to know they cook good. And everybody shares those things. And we get together and have dinners around those things and ask who made that and what is in it. Then we can decide, can I have more of that by what's in it and who made it? Understand what God's doing before you get to people. He's priming them to receive his love language through you, whatever you choose to do. When he's pouring his spirit out on all flesh, it includes you. It includes you in a way that you become his expression to people around you. This year, my heart is when I look at ministry within our church, half of it's centered on reaching people. Half of it's centered on growing disciples. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me some years ago, he said, you've taught the people enough. It's time to teach them to engage, to do. Why? I believe we hear so much spiritual truth, we get on spiritual overload. i to tell you how you fix spiritual overload. You do some of those things. When we start doing, we, we, we're no longer overloaded. Why? We're saturated with truth without any exercise. Think of it this way. Truth is your fat grams. You just keep getting saturated with, with the truth of God's word and good worship time and the company of others. You're just going to get fat and sassy spiritually and you'll get fat and fat and not sassy. The sass will go. Then you'll be feeling like you're just kind of plopping along. I remember what it was like to carry all that extra weight. Every so often I pick up a couple 50 pound bags of something and I, I, walk, I think, man I'm alive, this is a lot harder than I remember. You want rid of that? Become a doer. There's something about doing for God that brings us right into a place of well being right away. And He wants us to have that because when you feel good toward God, you will feel good about your life of faith and your expression and your prayer and your crying out to Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for this family that you've raised up. In the middle of Illinois, Father, thank you that you've raised up a family unto you that you call your body. Heavenly Father, in my spirit, this is a year of great expectation for your church. A year like nothing else that we've ever seen before. A year where we cross a threshold into what it is you've asked us and called us to do in this season. That Father causes us to win men and women, to win people to you. Heavenly Father, we'll not be content until we engage ourselves in your business father stir in us the dealing of your holy spirit to find our place a place that will challenge us but bring joy a place that will stretch us but bring us into greater greater strength and power in you Heavenly Father, I thank you when we pray, we'll pray with a greater authority because we have more of a reason to pray, more of a mission to live, more of a focus than the problems going on around us. Father, we'll focus our eyes on what you say we should be looking to by faith to win others. And Father, our vision will be transformed. Father, I thank you that depression will go, oppression will go. In Jesus' name, anxiety will go. And we will rise up as the people of God in the earth to be strong and stalwart ones, mature in the word, mature in faith, to see the greater works that Jesus said we would be here to do, and to, Father, walk by faith and not by sight. We are your strong family. We have your DNA all the way through our being, Lord Jesus. Our heart's desire is to be like you. Now, Father, for every family, I rebuke the work of the enemy in Jesus' name and loose the power and anointing of God to work that we will experience a transformation to come into our perfect place in the body of Christ for this season. Father, thank you for refurbing every person. It'll be as though we have a new lease on life and all things have been made new yet again. Father, I thank you that it is so and shall be done. In Jesus' name we thank you.
0: Amen thank you for joining us a special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry it's because of you that ministry at living word church is possible you can get more information on our website at go to lwc.org you can also give online as well if you enjoyed today's podcast you can subscribe you can share it with your friends you can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.